It is a football Friday. This is the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, and I'm your host, Aria Levstein, taking you through the next three hours. We are getting you ready for the football weekend. Not only is there college football, the NFL is underway. Yesterday we had kickoff, and I am so glad I was wrong. That game was incredible last night. The only bone I have to pick, <laughs> not boneless, bone-in wings, uh, is also that the refs yesterday really were excited to be back. They were way too excited to be back, and I'm wearing yellow just in honor of all the flags that were thrown in last night's game. Otherwise, both these offenses looked great. Special teams for the Cowboys, Greg Zerline, eh, not so much. When it came to the defenses, mm, definitely rusty. Otherwise, it was an amazing game to watch. And yesterday, we did see that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won 31-29. to The Bucs do not cover this spread that moved about three points in their favor come kickoff. It was minus 6.5 to open, closed at minus 9, and the Cowboys end up covering, taking those points as dogs. A lot to get to today. We've got great guests, including the director of training at the Sportsbook John Sheeran will also break down what happened in Major League Baseball, college football previews, and more. My co-host Ben Stevens joining me now. Ben, good morning to you. Happy Football Friday. Ariel, happy Football Friday to you as well. The first real Football Friday of the calendar year here on the morning after. Yes, last weekend we had a full great slate of college football, but now you multiply that with the first full Sunday of NFL football capped off after a great Thursday night game last night. So much offense on display over, over, over a total that was even steamed back up to 52 and a half prior to kick last night on a Thursday. That nine and a half point spread with all the movement in favor of Tampa Bay did not matter last night. Dallas covering like you mentioned, but also I know teasers were out in a big way yesterday on a Thursday night for the NFL regular season opener. It didn't even matter if you tease that line down to three and a half or three. The Cowboys still covering on that one as well. So a great slate of NFL Sunday action to get to you. A great slate of Saturday and even Friday night action in the college football realm as well. Can't wait for this football Friday. This morning, I saw a really interesting stat by John Ewing. He said that the Buccaneers, who closed at minus nine, did not cover, which we just mentioned. But Tampa had the largest spread week one. In fact, since 1993, the biggest NFL week one favorite is now 13 and 25 against the spread. That's a 34% cover rate for the heaviest favorite on the board in week one. Ben, it just goes to show you that week one, there's so many variables at play. You're looking at a Tampa Bay team that was the best defense in football last year, number one against the run, which they did prove yesterday, by the way, because you look at those numbers for the running back of the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, not good. 11 carries for 33 yards way under that rushing yards prop of around the 53 to 56 range. It was more the receiving game for the Cowboys, which was incredible. Looking at what Amari Cooper did, their wide, rece wide receiver, 13 receptions for 139 yards. He had two touchdowns in the game. Dak looked great despite all the injuries, Ben. It was just that you gave Tom Brady too much time. What was it, a minute 40, a minute 38 left in the game for Tom Brady to go take his team downfield. He knew he just had to get into field goal range. And the last possession, the last few uh, throws that Brady made, just throwing it out of bounds and saying, hey, it's fine. We're in field goal range. No need to do any more. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. First hour here in the morning after. 
You're listening on Sirius XM, channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben, just seeing what Tom Brady was able to do last night, again in that two-minute drill, unbelievable stuff. Surgical, 49 game-winning drive now for Tom Brady in his career in the fourth quarter or overtime. Those 49 game-winning drives, the third most in NFL history, only behind Peyton Manning and a guy that was calling the game last night, or at least was there in Tampa Bay, in Drew Brees. And it didn't even matter, Ariel, that he was tossing away those throw attempts at the end of the fourth quarter to set up Ryan Suckup for the game-winning field goal. He had already gone way over his passing attempt prop of 38 and a half, as did Dak Prescott, whose passing attempt prop was one more at 39 and a half, but Dak threw the ball more than 50 times last night. Tom Brady had 50 passing attempts as well, and the passing game was on full display for both quarterbacks. Dak, 403 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Tom Brady, 379 yards passing, four touchdowns and two interceptions. It is a great indicator of what might be available in the prop market for weeks to come in the NFL season. You can look at those wide receivers, both Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb for the Dallas Cowboys, going over 100 yards, both of them respectfully, last night. It is also an indicator of how are we going to find value in Tampa Bay's wide receiving core because so many guys in on the action last night. Antonio Brown, five catches, 121 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin going over the century mark. Rob Gronkowski, 90 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Evans only had 24 yards receiving last night, Ariel. So it is going to be difficult, but there are edges to be had in the prop market when you look at the passing game and the receiving yards games for both the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers through the rest of this 2021 NFL season. Shout out to us also. First handicap of an NFL game, and we have a TB dub sweep. Let's go. You had Tom Brady for his over on pass attempts, which I absolutely love. In addition to the CD Lamb over 22 and a half yards for his longest reception, which shouldn't have been a sweat. This was CD Lamb had two 22 yard receptions to start the game <laughs> in the first half. Two of them. 22 yards. You couldn't get one more yard, CD. I would rather you get 21-yard reception. No, no. 22 with the hook killing us. But it's okay. At the end of the game, final series, they're able to get the job done with CD Lamb and his longest reception goes over. More headlines from around the NFL coming up next. Stay on the grid. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. You gotta admit, we make it stupid easy for. Last night, I really should have just been in all black today. Basically, through a funeral for myself yesterday, as the Baltimore Ravens have decided to just kill off their entire team. All three of their running backs gone for the year for ACLs. They lose their cornerback Marcus Peters. All of this was apparently just routine practice. It had nothing to do with any kind of contact injury. It was all non-contact. I don't know what's going on in Baltimore. What I do know, 
there's some kind of curse. And Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDog.com, actually gave me permission and said I can call this team injury prone. There we go. Mm. The Ravens lose. They're starting running back Gus Edwards as well. I'm going to lose my mind, Ben. I'm glad the weekend's coming up. So you you just take the floor. Listen, I, I think you're very strong for what you're doing here right now. I think that even being here on this Football Friday, looking ahead to the weekend one slate of the NFL is huge for you because it is as bad as bad can get. And it feels really terrible for the Baltimore Ravens right now. And your heart goes out to the Ravens and every Baltimore backer out there because the injury luck that they have had against them right now before the season has even gotten underway is just incredible to think about what has happened in the last 12 days for this Baltimore Ravens backfield specifically losing J.K. Dobbins who was going to have a breakout sophomore campaign in the second season in the NFL to lose Justice Hill earlier this week and then Gus Edwards who was going to be the bell cow of that offense for the NFL leading rushing offense the last two seasons averaging 198 yards per game in the last two years your heart breaks for the Baltimore Ravens and then defensively to lose Marcus Peters on top of that back-to-back plays yesterday. Eerie scenes in Baltimore. And now they're getting ready for a week one showdown on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders. No line movement there as of yet. The line has stayed at four and a half. 83% of the betting handle is on the Baltimore Ravens. It has come down from five and a half to four and a half. The total has stayed at 50 and a half. The line movement we have seen has been reflected in the futures market when it comes to the Ravens as of right now. They are now tied with the Cleveland Browns for the shortest odds to win the AFC North. Tied at the top of the board at plus 130 as dual favorites to win the AFC North. No movement in their team win total. No movement in their odds to win the AFC as of last night at plus 650 as well. Still the third shortest odds. But Ariel, if you want to just move on, if you want to move past this, Please, we can take it away because I know it's still very raw and very fresh what happened yesterday in Baltimore. I'm trying to look at the bright side. The bright side is it, maybe it's going to make Lamar Jackson throw the ball more. Maybe he's not mm. going to be able to use his run game as his crutch the way that they have planned for the last three years. This way, he can improve his passing game and maybe make him a better quarterback in the long run. That's the only thing I can look towards right now. I just hope that Lamar doesn't try to take the whole run game on his own back and start to run even more. The last thing the Ravens need is for their quarterback to get hurt on top of all these running back injuries. Now, just because you brought up Marcus Peters, and then we'll switch to the actual running back situation, how they're going to improve that. You can't really replace someone like Peters. Looking at what Jamison Henley tweeted out the other day for ESPN, he said, Since Peters joined the Ravens in week nine of 2019, Baltimore has allowed the fewest yards per pass attempt, tied for the fewest passing touchdowns allowed, tied for the second lowest total QBR allowed. That's how much it's going to be. That's how hard it's going to be to replace someone like Marcus Peters. On the other side, The Ravens have added the craziest running back room and probably the most decorated running back room of washed-up running backs that I've ever seen. First, you're going to have Le'Veon Bell, who they signed last week. Then you're going to – you you just signed Lat Murray last night coming over from the Saints, and you've got Devontae Freeman. Okay, uh, we'll see. We'll see which one looks good, Ben. Which running back are you most excited to see in this Ravens offense? 
Maybe Le'Veon Bell because he's good in the passing game as well. And that was the hope for J.K. Dobbins in his second year in this Baltimore Ravens offense. If Le'Veon Bell can return to form, we saw Antonio Brown look pretty good last night. Maybe the Killer Bees reawaken and even Ben Roethlisberger has a good year. But I know that's not music to any Baltimore fans ears at the moment. So I don't know, maybe Le'Veon Bell, but I need to correct myself because there has been some movement this morning in the futures market as it pertains to the AFC. Now it's the Browns and the Ravens tied for the third shortest odds to win the AFC championship at 7-1. to one. They are also tied for the favorites to win the AFC North still at plus 130. And the line has come down a little bit more now in favor of Las Vegas on Monday night. Now it's just 3.5 in favor of Baltimore on the road. The total has stayed the same at 50 and a half. This is a very interesting game from a public versus sharp money perspective right there in the heart of Las Vegas in the desert because 83% of the betting handle again is on the Baltimore Ravens against the spread. 90% is on the Ravens on the money line, yet even before this injury news yesterday, it had moved in Vegas's favor by 50 cents or more on that money line, but 90% on the Baltimore Ravens. So might those sharp folks that want to support their hometown team be backing the Raiders on Monday Night Football? Now just a three and a half point spread in favor of Baltimore. It opened at five and a half, Ariel. I guess we're just going to stick with the AFC North. You mentioned the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger before. Yesterday was nothing but an actual rivalry starting. Yesterday, the Ravens lose another running back. In fact, their number one running back in Gus Edwards. They lose Marcus Peters. And here come the Pittsburgh Steelers. They signed their best defensive player finally. He's been waiting for a deal. T.J. Watt becomes the most decor, uh, the most rich man uh, defensively in football. He now is the, signing this mega deal. Four-year extension worth $112 million. $28 million, uh, $3 million per year is his average, with $80 million fully guaranteed, making him the highest-paid defensive player in football. Great job, Pittsburgh. Way to really rub salt on the wound. And this is the last time, by the way, I'll ever wear yellow on a football Friday, Ben. Yeah, 80 million guaranteed for TJ Watt to become the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. He led the NFL in sacks during the regular season last year with 15. The Steelers had the third best total defense in the league last year. And when you look at TJ Watt now and how he looks individually in the futures market, he is tied with Aaron Donald to be the regular sack leader, the regular season sack leader in the NFL. Their odds, both of them, AD and TJ Watt, at 6-1 to one right now, plus 600. When you look at TJ Watt to be the defensive player of the year in the NFL, that's at plus 850, the third shortest odds behind Aaron Donald and behind Miles Garrett, another competitor in the AFC North. Another thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers, we've talked about this a few times, Ariel. Their team win total is eight and a half in a 17-game season. Eight and a half where the juice is on the under. There is plus money to the over. If you wanted to lock in one final team win total, I think certainly the Pittsburgh Steelers can win nine games this year in a 17-game season with a little sprinkle and some plus money to your over. That seems to make sense to me. The total for their game, by the way, in their opener against the Buffalo Bills, open at 50 and a half. It is dropped by two points down to 48 and a half. TJ Watt will have a huge say in whether the over or the under hits on Sunday in Buffalo. I'm glad that you've been looking at all the odds movements. I can't do it. I couldn't do it last night. In fact, I was on a phone call when I got the news about the Ravens running backs, and then right afterwards came Marcus Peters. And I just said, uh, I, I got to call you back. I'm not even exaggerating. I just I looked at my screen, and I'm looking at it like this. I'm like, 
what is what's happening? I, and then I called my brother and my dad, and it was just a really bad day in the Epstein household. Uh, but we will we'll fight back. We'll be we'll be good. And I'm going to put a lot of faith into these running backs. It's a running back revival year. We're going to revive some of the best running backs in the NFL. They're going to be back and better than ever. I cannot wait. Week two, Le'Veon Bell revenge game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the way, don't even know if they're going to be with or without Teron Matthew. The Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, said they have a plan A and a plan B. Matthew's out with COVID-19. He's on the list, so they'll see if he's going to be able to play on Sunday. Uh, and we'll keep you updated on that, too. We've got Pro Football today where we'll have all those updates on Sunday right before kickoff. But coming up next, there's still Major League Baseball to be talked about. We're getting closer to the postseason, which means each game is getting to matter more and more. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Major League Baseball yesterday for me, it was, hey, hey guys, I'm still here. That That's what Major League Baseball felt like because I stopped paying attention to a lot of these games come kick off in the NFL game. Then I start realizing, oh, I actually had some bets on some of these games. And one of those was the Miami Marlins. The Marlins have played the Mets really well this year. If you were to have given the Marlins a plus one and a half in every game hypothetically against the Mets this season, you would have been extremely profitable with the Marlins at 11 and three on the run line. That said, yesterday, the Marlins end up getting the upset win at home over the Mets, winning 3-2. to two. The Mets were up in that game. They were winning 2 nothing against Miami, and Miami uh, ends up scoring three unanswered. So Miami ends up going 7-3 and three on the year against the Mets, which means the Mets 3-7. and seven. Yikes. They finished the road trip, the Mets, through D.C. and Miami at 4-4. Four and four. The Mets needed to use this stretch to fatten up, according to their reporter Steve Gelbs, and the road gets much tougher from here on out. Ben, the Mets have been the biggest choke team probably in baseball. They had the lead in their division. It looked as if the Mets were going to win the NL East. They were favored to do so at one point, and it has just been a really tough stretch for the last month. They had the favorite to win the NL East since the ending of May. They were a minus money odds on favorite to win that division from the end of May until about the middle portion of August. And that point that Steve Gelbs made right there really reigned supreme. The idea that they only went four and four on this road trip against the Miami Marlins and the Washington Nationals, who are at the bottom two spots of the National League East, well below 500 and teams that don't really have much to play for at this moment. And the Mets certainly do. And they just split a road trip of eight games going four and four. And all this Ariel comes after that grueling stretch a couple of weeks ago where the Mets played 13 straight games against the Giants and the Dodgers. And they went two and 11 in that 13 game span. So they needed this cushion time if they were going to have any opportunity of winning the NL East. But with the second straight loss to the Marlins in heartbreaking fashion, losing by one run on two consecutive nights down in South Beach, the Mets now a game below 500, a full five games back of that National League East top spot that is currently occupied by the Atlanta Braves. The Mets 
plus 1100, 11 to 1 to win the NL East. And as Steve Gelbs also mentioned, they have the Yankees this weekend in the Subway Series. Then it's St. Louis after that. Then Philadelphia after that. And then two straight road trips against two current playoff teams at the Boston Red Sox and at the Milwaukee Brewers. This was the time for the Mets to capitalize. They did not. And now it's seeming like any chance of making the postseason looks very, very bleak for the Mets. Crazy to think that if you spoke about this Subway Series upcoming about a month and a half ago, you would have thought the Yankees and Mets were fighting to win the top of their division, maybe just get that number one wild card spot for the Yankees at least. Now you're looking at two teams completely desperate. The Mets are five games back of the national wild card race. The Yankees are holding on for dear life to that number two spot in the wild card. The Red Sox have a one game lead into the one spot. The Yankees only a half game lead into the second spot. Toronto Blue Jays sitting there a half game back on the Yankees after sweeping them in a four game set. And speaking of those Yankees, they did lose yesterday to the Toronto Blue Jays, and that score was six to four. For Toronto completing that four-game sweep. But, Ben, the big story of the weekend for the Yankees-Mets series is probably going to be about 9-11 coming up tomorrow. And with 9-11, that was the whole idea, was that these two teams were going to go head-to-head on 9-11 on the anniversary. And that's what's going to be probably the most special. However, still very desperate teams when it comes to getting into the playoffs and just about three weeks left of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So there will be a lot of heartwarming, heart-wrenching, and touching tributes this weekend in this Subway Series. Of course, these two teams returning to action after 9-11 happened on on September 11, 2001. Now the 20-year anniversary. Two of the best moments just from a sports fan perspective when this country desperately needed it. You had the president, George W. Bush, at the time throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium to Derek Jeter, an absolutely grooving one right down the middle. It felt like a very big moment at the time. And then, of course, Mike Piazza's home run for the Mets back at Old Shea Stadium, which brings a tear to your eye when you think about it. There will be a lot of touching tributes. It will be tough to see at times. There will be a lot of tears shed on the 20-year anniversary of September 11th. But I think there will be some nice moments around the world of sports. In fact, Boston College will wear their red bandana uniforms for Wells Crowther in respect to him on this Saturday's game as well. That will be beautiful. If you haven't seen the red bandana, it's a beautiful piece that ESPN has done about Wells Crowther, who was working in the Twin Towers on 9-11 and saved a lot of lives as a volunteer firefighter of sorts and first responder that day. So a lot of touching tributes to come this weekend. It'll be a nice moment in the world of sports that truly reflected that 20 years ago. It's actually from about 10, 15 minutes from my hometown, by the way. But I'm going to switch back into the gambling world because we do have the Philadelphia Phillies, who also will be in action this weekend trying to fight for that playoff spot and fight for the National League East Division. The Phillies are at plus 370, and as been alluded to before, the Braves minus 360. It's really been about Bryce Harper recently. The, the star of the Phillies... He had a first-inning home run against the Rockies yesterday, and the outfielder has now had 14 home runs since the start of August. 14 home runs in about a five-week span. That's tied for the second-most home runs in MLB in this time, behind the catcher for the Royals, Salvador Perez, who has 16. Then Bryce Harper heating up, and he was someone we said that was worth a look at a live look for a National League MVP. 
And I'm not sure there's still value on Bryce Harper in the National League MVP market. He does have the second shortest odds currently at the moment at plus 400. Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres is the heavy odds on favorite at minus 250. Not quite as heavy in the American League like Shohei Otani, who is minus 7,000, but still an odds on favorite at minus 250. I'm not so sure Bryce Harper is going to catch him. But again, 4-1, to one, second shortest odds to win the National League MVP. Shows how great of a season Bryce Harper has had in this hot stretch of certainly a part of that but when you look at the Philadelphia Phillies they might be the most inconsistent team in baseball they won seven straight but now they have lost three in a row in five of their last seven so they are a full three and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves in the National League East the good thing for Philadelphia is their schedule the rest of the way is very favorable they have three more games against the Colorado Colorado Rockies at home this weekend although they lost last night the Rockies still have the second worst road record in all of Major League Baseball. And then after that, they have the Cubs, a series with Baltimore still on the horizon, a four-game set with Pittsburgh. One thing to look out for, the final series in September for the Philadelphia Phillies comes on the road in Atlanta against the Braves. That series could decide the National League East by the time we get over these next couple of weeks to leading up to that ending portion of September. But the schedule is favorable for Philadelphia again. If they can get hot here, they might be able to make some noise in the National League East. Plus 370 at the moment with these second shortest odds. The division, I cannot wait to see how things finish, is the National League West. The San Francisco Giants now are three games up in the loss column over the Los Angeles Dodgers with just 22 games left to play. The Dodgers lost to the Cardinals 2-1. to one. In that division on FanDuel, you've got San Francisco who flips to the favorite at minus 125, the Dodgers at plus 105. Ben, finally... The Giants getting some love by FanDuel, 22 games out with a three-game lead. They are minus 125. They flipped the Dodgers to a plus money, plus 105. We really haven't seen the Dodgers in plus money. What we have seen before is that the Giants have been more favored than the Dodgers to win uh, the division. We just haven't seen the Dodgers flip to plus money. Now we finally see it. What do you think made the book make this switch with still 22 games left to play? Well, 22 games left to play, but the Giants have won the season series against the Dodgers, and that is still ground to make up. Three games in the loss column, two and a half games overall, and the Giants just keep winning baseball games. They are not giving up ground in ways that I think the sportsbook anticipated San Francisco eventually would. Maybe in May, maybe in June, July, August, no. San Francisco has not done that even here in the good portion of September. The Giants were off yesterday, but they have won four straight games as they head into a weekend series as well. So with a two and a half game lead and only about 20 games left in this Major League Baseball season, that might not seem like that many games, but it's still a lot of ground to make up for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But Ariel, you bring up a fantastic point and something to know. This is the second time this year the Giants have flipped to the favorite to win the National League West. But it is the first time the LA Dodgers have been in plus money because Los Angeles, when the first flip happened, was still in that minus money category around minus 110, minus 115 when the Giants had longer odds. Now, the Giants still have pretty short odds even in that minus money category at minus 125. But the Dodgers in plus money that is something to take note of and shows maybe even more of an indication that the FanDuel Sportsbook expects the Giants to win this uh, to win this division at season's end because giving a plus money price on the LA Dodgers is something that FanDuel certainly does not want to do also one final note about this game yesterday the second straight win for the Cardinals over the Dodgers the Cardinals 
three games back of that second and final NL wildcard spot. A big weekend series coming up for St. Louis against Cincinnati this weekend. Two teams on currently the outside looking in on that second and final NL wildcard spot. The Cincinnati Reds trailing the San Diego Padres by a full game for that second NL wildcard spot. A huge weekend series between the Reds and the Cardinals. That's something to look out for if you're looking away from football this weekend at the Major League Baseball slate. I still wish that we got make the playoff odds on FanDuel for some of these teams. You've got to figure that there's going to be teams that are fighting for that wild card spot that could have some decent value, whether it's to the yes or the no. Maybe they can even make some bets for who's going to get into the AL and NLDS instead of just talking about the wild card. Either way, you look at the division odds on FanDuel. It's now down to three divisions. Those are the only ones you can bet on. The American League West, the National League East, and the National League West. They took everyone else down. Tampa Bay, congratulations. Everyone thought the Yankees still had a shot. I didn't. I said, no way. This team getting too hot. They're going to fade out. Their bullpen stinks. Oh, anyway, my teams, again, just I'm the worst. I hate all my teams. I love them all when they're good, and then I hate them all. I, I, there's no black. There's no gray area for me. It's very black and white. Anyway, we're going to move into the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, coming up next. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, it's been a while, but he usually joins us every football Friday. It is the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran. John, welcome back to the show. We missed you. Thanks for coming on with us. No problem. Happy to be back, Ariel. I know you are. And we're going to talk some football. We've got the NFL underway. I know you guys at FanDuel are very busy with the NFL season. Yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys pick up the plus nine cover, and they end up getting it close, just not able to get that win. Tampa Bay and Tom Brady just edging out the Dallas Cowboys. However, John, with the Cowboys covering that nine-point spread, how was that result for the book? Yeah, I mean, from a spread perspective, the vast majority of the money was for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So getting Dallas to cover was um, a pretty good result. Obviously, the total going uh, over pretty easily, although you had to sweat maybe a little bit towards the end. Um, not a good result for us. So I'd say we probably got out just about positive on the game, but uh, betters won plenty between SGP, all the touchdown scores that, that happened. Gronkowski obviously getting to, I think, a 24-1 to before the game. Uh, hurt us quite a bit so bit of a wash yeah john i was going to ask about that prop market was so much offense especially in the passing game last night how was the action from a prop perspective yeah i mean like you say i mean people like to see touchdown scores and lots of yards and i don't think we got let down last night so yeah a lot of the overs hitting the passing yards and receiving yards a number of receptions i think a lot of people took the under um elliot rushing yards as well with that you know, Tampa Bay front being so good, effective against the run, and uh, they all were um, pretty costly. But like I said, it's week one, it's game one. Glad to kind of make sure that there's a few dollars in people's wallets for the weekend. 
Yeah, John, I was going to say, these people are going to throw that money right back into the pot for Sunday. A huge slate coming up. I do want to ask you, though, about that line movement. We did see the line for Tampa Bay go from minus six and a half to closing at minus nine. Why move the line so much in Tampa Bay's favor pre-kick? Yeah, I don't know. It was really a market move. A lot of shrewd volume came in. It's week one. Our confidence levels in the lines are probably at the lowest they'll be for the regular season. So many unknowns, um, particularly when you think about Dak Prescott as well. Um, I think it was hard for anybody to predict that he would be as effective as he was last night. I definitely didn't think that Dallas would be able to move the ball the way that they did last night. I think they benefited from some four unlucky touch or turnovers. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay, looking back at the game in its entirety, was the right side. Whether or not they justified being nine points favorite is, is up for debate, I guess. John, we haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, so we didn't get the lead up to the NFL season from a futures market perspective. But after last night's win, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their odds get shorter to win the Super Bowl from plus 650 to plus 550. Where is a lot of that action in the futures market when it comes to that Super Bowl betting? Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of money that we've taken, we've almost $3 million in exposure on the Buffalo Bills at 12 to 1. It's, mm. you know, a price that we're happy to be um, pretty aggressive and, and trying to attract a lot of money on. Uh, but I did, definitely didn't see um, the interest in Buffalo coming before it did. And pretty surprising that they're by far and away our worst result right now as the season comes to week one. Sunday coming up, and we've got our first huge slate of games. John, which team has the mo is the biggest liability for the book on Sunday? I haven't looked at the games individually to see where the biggest um, exposure is right now, but what I would say is our biggest position will probably be the New York Giants. Um, we find it really difficult to understand why this game is three points. Our ratings make this more like a one-point dog for, for New York. I think the way that the spread is right now at three kind of indicates that Denver are four or five point better side than the New York Giants. And I'm not sure that's the case. I find it pretty difficult to listen to somebody tell me why that is the case. So I expect us to be aggressive with that line move uh, during the week. And we've built up a decent amount of exposure on Denver. We were at two and a half and, and did have to move it to three. Um, but I see us moving that back under, under a touchdown. So if you do like the Giants, I would suggest... Um, taking the three points right now. So we're happy to build a position against Denver as a three-point favorite this weekend. Yeah, John, that's one of the games that we have seen tons of line movement from that middle portion of the preseason slate getting ready for the regular season in week number one. What should sports bettors know about line movement in the next 48 hours leading to the first NFL Sunday of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. Obviously, week one, as I said, our confidence levels are as low as they'll be. Um, there's all those unknowns around personnel changes, uh, coaching changes, um, schematic changes. And, and, and until we get you know to see these teams on the field, there's a lot of guesswork involved. So I would probably pay line attention more heed this week than I would any other week. Um, and yeah, I would just try and get out ahead of your opinion if you like something and you think it's going to move that way, I would bet sooner rather than later. The director of training at FanDuel, John Sheeran, here with us on the morning after. A line that really intrigues me, the Jacksonville Jaguars are road favorites at the Houston Texans. John, you have a rookie quarterback with Trevor Lawrence, a rookie NFL head coach in Urban Meyer, going up against a veteran quarterback in Terod Taylor in Houston. Why three-point road favorites for a team that we really haven't seen before? Nonetheless, it's own quarterback. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I find it pretty hard to believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars should be a three-point favourite on the road against anybody. Uh, I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's got an incredible future ahead of him. I'm not sure it justifies them being uh, three-point favourites. Our ratings don't get us to that number either. Um, safe to say, though, we did take a, a pretty big bet from a pretty shrewd customer on uh, Jacksonville. So I don't see that line moving back the other way, uh, despite us not being able to necessarily get it all the way there. Ariel, I'm very glad that you asked John Sheeran about that game because we got to hear him say Jaguar and his very cool Irish accent. That was awesome for our Football Friday here on the morning after. John, another game we have seen tons of line movement really from when it opened up is the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, when Aaron Rodgers came back, that line flipped from Green Bay being an underdog to them being a favorite. And then with the location change now to Jacksonville, Florida, it was taken off the board. Now it's back up. It opened at four. Now it's the Packers minus three and a half. What was the process around that game when the location changed to Jacksonville? Ah, uh, Yeah, it's pretty simple for us. It's just negating the home field advantage that we um, have allocated for um the dome in, in New Orleans, obviously they, they've moved that, as you said, to Jacksonville. So uh, the amount of the, the points that we would have allowed for that are, are now taken away. And effectively, that's you know a half a point or a point, as you said. And, and I think we've seen that reflected in the line. This is a game I, I'll probably end up playing the Saints as well. I, I just don't believe that they should be almost a four-point underdog um, against Green Bay. So uh, we're pretty excited by the Saints in this spot again. And, and I'm no doubt that the public will come aggressively for, for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers again. That game's actually interesting. And, John, I'm glad because I did end up betting Green Bay about three weeks ago at minus three. FanDuel hasn't voided my bet. They've let me keep it. However, is there a way that if someone bet that game prior to the location move that someone could get their bet, their bet back if they don't want to bet it at a neutral site? Yeah, I, I would check that because I'm pretty sure our rules state that if there's a, a change in venue that you should get your bet voided. So that bet should be void as far as I'm concerned. I'll, I'll double check it with the guys uh, after I get off the call. But as far as I'm concerned, with the location change, that bet sh- and, th- and those that market entirely should be void. You can keep mine. John, I think one of the- I want it. You guys- I want mine. Yeah. Don't get Why rid of mine. It's a pretty good if number. You, if, you bet, if you bet the Saints, you can get a better number now. Why would you want it? I didn't bet the Saints, though. I bet Green Bay, so I want to keep my bet. But someone else, you can give them back. If they have the Saints, you can give them their bet back. Just keep the Ariel that's Epstein fa- one. That's, fa- that's favoritism. I would never do that. <laughs> Come on. John is an honest man. He is an honest man. He's back on our show. We are very pleased to have him back. John, I think one of the most public games of the weekend will be later on that Sunday window between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns, two very public teams from an overall perspective. How do you expect the action to look in that game between the Chiefs and the Browns? Yeah, it'll be all for the Chiefs. That's nothing new. Um, fully expect us to be um, cheering off with the Cleveland Browns pretty aggressively. Um, I can't see anybody giving up on, on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and, you know, we've always seen that volume for them. It's justified with their performances on the field. And I don't expect it to be any different to five and a half points this weekend. I do have a line flip alert. I'm excited about this one, and Ben, I think you will be too. The Washington football team was a one-point dog before, and now it's flipped to them being a one-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Los Angeles Chargers. What's happened in the last 24 hours, John, that made that line flip? 
Um, that's a game I haven't looked that closely at, to be honest. I, I, I'm just trying to dig out where, what our numbers were on that game. I don't know if we had an opinion and have reflected it in the last 24 hours uh, against the Chargers at that number. Um, I'll try and find out, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure what's happened with that game in terms of why it's been a, a swing in favoritism. It could be Austin Eckler having some hamstring issues, soft tissue injury that kept him out for eight games last season. Then threw big money down on it. That is, That's why. Yeah, it was me. It was me. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that came in and said, boom, Fandle, take this on the Washington football team. And that was why the line might have flipped past zero. But, John, another game that I think will be very enticing from an injury perspective doesn't come on Sunday, but on Monday night. And, of course, with all the injury woes, Ariel, close your ears to the Baltimore Ravens. We have seen that line we're going to avoid five this. and a half in favor of Baltimore, three and a half now in favor of the Ravens on Monday night in Vegas against the Raiders. John, we've seen a lot of public money on the Baltimore Ravens as of right now, but I think the Raiders are going to be a team, especially in Vegas, that people are excited for this season. What does that game look like from a FanDuel Sportsbook perspective? I think we'll end up needing the, the Raiders pretty heavily in this spot. I know the Ravens, as you said, have... Uh, a lot of injuries, but the, um, the the Raiders tend to be a team that we don't see as much volume as you might imagine. Obviously, our predominantly East Coast presence has an impact from that perspective. Um, but I think the allure of of, um, of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens overall piece of work will be enough to make sure that, particularly at a round of field goal, I think, you know, from my perspective, we'll see a lot of money on, on Baltimore. From our side of the counter, we, we definitely want to try and keep the Ravens. Obviously, Running backs are, are not as valuable as people tend to think they are. I know Baltimore have had some other injuries as well, but fundamentally I think they're just a far better football team. And if it gets anywhere near a field goal, I'll definitely be investing in Baltimore. That's good to hear. I do hope it does get down to a field goal so we can root for the Ravens together, John, and then talk about it in a week from now. We have one minute left. Teasers. Everyone's going to be betting teasers this upcoming weekend. What's your advice on betting teasers? Uh, I mean, unless you're finding the perfect scenario, there's just too much margin and teasers for the for the house. And, you know, I, I wouldn't advise for for betters to be wagering on teasers if they can avoid them at all. OK, no teasers for John Sheeran, director of trading at FanDuel. Thank you so much for coming on with us on this football Friday. We'll see you again next week and for the rest of football season. Don't go on vacation again, John. <laughs> I'll try not to area. <laughs> Coming up next, we're going to close out our number one here on the show. And again, I'm going to continue to hope that this line hits minus three on the Ravens Monday night. Because this way, I'm going to get John Sheeran a Lamar Jackson jersey. And the two of us are going to be rooting on the Ravens together. Listen, Lamar's rushed for a 1,000 yards. Who needs running backs? You've got your quarterback who's a running back built in. We're going to do our Fade the Public poll. I can't wait for the results of this one because I'm pretty sure not only are we going to be on the same side as the public, we get to fade our own team here on the morning after. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid. The winning edge is not just... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
closing out hour one on this football Friday on the morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. This poll was posted during the show yesterday because it was just really important. The question is, when you watch the NFL, do you have to have your wings bone in? or boneless. The public has sided with Ben and I. Bone-in is the way to go. 74% of you agree with us. We are fading our own production team, Ben. Oh, we are fading our own production team and Alex Fasano and Jack Weinberger and even Kevin Walsh said yesterday that boneless wings are not that bad. Kevin Walsh of the early line said that ariel and that was very confounding to me as well we are also fading the 26 of you hooligans down there the 26 percent of you hooligans that said boneless wings are the way to go what weirdos you know what i did last night ariel i ordered 50 wings for myself and my three other good friends and i had 12 of them garlic parmesan hot classic buffalo medium classic buffalo mixed in with some mozzarella sticks some onion rings some waffle fries we went in for an NFL season opener, and that is how you do it to kick off the NFL season. And you do it with bone-in wings only. We are not fading the public today, just fading the 26 of you weirdos, 26% of you weirdos that say boneless wings are acceptable. They're not. Just because you call it boneless wings doesn't take away that it's essentially a chicken nugget. You are literally eating chicken nuggets. You are a child. It's not a grown-up thing to eat. You gotta eat bone in. It's, it's you've gotta really just like man up, eat the bone in wings. Make sure you get a little dirty. Make sure you watch yeah. football with the. I don't care if it's yeah. ranch or blue cheese. I'm not gonna get that detailed. I like ranch, but if you like blue cheese, that's cool too. Just get the bone in wings. Seriously, it's not that hard. And if you do boneless, I judge you. That's it. That's the bottom line. And I wasn't. The problem was I wasn't even allowed to have wings last night because dad wasn't home so i ended up saying you know what dad i'll wait for you until sunday and we'll have football sunday with bone and wings but hour number two of the show is coming up how to spot a sports gaming winner they listen to us don't rely on luck get the expert information you need the winning edge